the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 102 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod, follow myself at JustinHughes365, and you can follow Andrew McQuiston at AMCQ82. You can also join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,200 members talking baseball every day. The best way you can support the show is on iTunes. By taking a few moments to leave us a five-star rating and writing a review is a good way to help us out getting our names out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as usual, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. On tonight's episode, it is part two of our shortstop preview. Andrew and I discussed the first half of the shortstops on this last episode. If you have not downloaded it yet, just go and take a quick download and you can listen to that first. But this is part two where we will cover the rest of the players eligible at the shortstop position. And here you go. Enjoy. The next shortstop is not for another 33 picks later, and that would be Dansby Swanson on an island here by himself at 104 overall amongst shortstops. He was pretty productive in 2020 with a 274 average, 10 home runs, and 5 steals with 49 runs scored and 35 RBI. As Ozzie Albies had that wrist injury, Swanson moved into the two-hole, which is a beautiful spot because you're hitting between Acuna and Freddie Freeman. So Steamer projects 250 batting average with 20 home runs and 11 steals. I thought I'd do an over-under on those three. Best of three. 274, you said? Uh, no, Steamer was... projects 250. He hit 274 if I have my... Oh, my bad. I was reading the wrong line. Yeah, because I thought it was 250. Uh, you know something... I was saying this to somebody the other day. I think my problem with Dansby Swanson is I have no idea. This 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 is like what I said about Mankata. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do just have no clue what I'm drafting. Like I don't know. I feel like his batting average could be anywhere from 235 to 290. A- anywhere. I don't know. And I feel like the power could be all over the place. The steals could be. I just don't really know what I'm getting. Um, I would probably over the average. And 20 homers, I think, is about right. I think he's like a 2010 type of guy. Yeah, I think it's about right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I do think he's a 2010. It's funny as you're saying you don't know what to expect. The home runs and steals, I actually think, are pretty close to the 2010 guy at this point. Well, I guess what I meant is I feel like he could – like it wouldn't surprise me that much if he hit 12 home runs or 26. Like I just feel like his range of outcomes is wide. I guess that's the best way I can put it. 
and it kind of just I don't know. It kind of makes me a little uneasy. I'm not. I'm not really huge on Dan's beat his price. I know that's. I know that wasn't a question, but let's just throw it out there. No, no, that's good stuff. I was when he was starting off. He started off white hot at the beginning of this last season, and Albies was not hitting, and ended, they ended up switching in the lineup. And I remember looking at the beginning of the year, and his strikeout rate was a lot higher than that twenty-seven percent he finished, and his walk rate was lower. And I remember thinking, okay, I've seen this before because I've seen Dansby Swanson go on these hot streaks and look like he's really good, and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, he looks the same as he's always looked. So that's the one thing I – and you know what? Even this one, he started off white hot, and he did finish just looking okay. I mean, it was a good year. He had a real good year, but, yeah, I just – I don't expect him to be hitting at the top of the lineup again unless Albies or Acuna is hurt. And that also affects him because when you're hitting in that two-hole, it's just a beautiful spot for him being like yeah. Albies is at. And that does help to his – helps like he had 49 runs scored in 60 games and Steamer projects 79 runs. And I agree with Steamer in terms of I would not be expecting some 100-plus run season Going in, anyways. Things could change. Think yeah, end up at the I, top. He, he was third in baseball in runs scored behind Freddie Freeman and Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen again. Like, I just think that the runs, you know, like, just looking at the line from last year, I mean, unless you just think he's better than Albies and he's going to hit second. And if you think that, draft him here. I mean, definitely. Um, I don't think that. So yeah. I just think he's going to hit lower in the lineup. And I mean, it's a great lineup. So it, that probably doesn't matter that much. But yeah, I don't know. Just overall with Dansby, I don't feel really confident in anything, like in any one thing. And I kind of like when I'm drafting to be like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this. Or this, or you know, or all of it. You know, some people, some players, I feel more confident in others. But with him, I just, I just don't know. I feel like it could be all over the place. And I do think that the top end outcome is an absolute stud. I do think that. But uh, there's just a wide, wide range of outcomes with him. I think. Yeah, I do think his ceiling is kind of what Albies has done the last few years: twenty-five home runs, fifteen steals. Lots yeah. of runs in RBI because if he's in a good spot in the lineup and hitting around 280, I think that's there. But yeah, the downside is, you know, he's he just doesn't uh, he hits more 230 with 15 home runs and high single digits and steals. All right, let's move on to Carlos Correa at 127. He's taken the Corey Seager spot on this ADP list, as I'd say, because we keep comparing them to each other. Corey or Correa actually stayed healthy this last year, playing in 58 of the 60 games, but wasn't that good anywhere. He hit 264 in the batting average department with five home runs, 22 runs, 25 RBI, and zero steals. So, with him, are you more worried about the production or the health going into this year? Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't really know if I'd classify it as worried about either, but I guess I would say I'm more worried about the health if I had to pick one. 
I really, I really like this spot. I mean, this is where I think the drop off is for shortstop after Correa. Uh, I, I feel like uh, once, you know, like I always when I'm drafting and it gets to a certain point, I'm like, okay, I got to get Correa or else I'm going to be a little left out in the cold, you know, and I haven't gotten him yet. I've either drafted guys high or beyond Correa, but I just feel like that's where the line is. Um, But I do really like him. I mean, I've always, it was funny, but I always think of this because it's just so funny to me how it's flipped. And I know you mentioned it when we were on Seager, but I remember couple of years ago saying why would I draft Carlos Correa in round three when I can draft Corey Seager in round nine or whatever and now it's completely the opposite yep and now I want Carlos Correa <laughs> you know it's just it's just funny how it works because I've always thought even when Correa was going way up where Seager is now Seager is going down where Correa uh, is now I always have thought that they're comparable talents. You know, they're both high-end prospects, play the same position. Neither one of them gives you a bunch in steals. It's mostly power and average. I think Correa has a little more power, and I think Seager is probably going to hit for a little bit better average. But they're they're similar in a lot of ways, both in good offenses, et cetera. And it's like if you're going to give me Correa, you know, 90 picks later – just give me that all day over Corey Seager at 34. And when, when Correa is going 34 and Seager's going 127, I'll flip it back. You know, it's just, I, I still feel like they're pretty similar players, even though the ADP doesn't show that. I'm with you. I like Correa here. I haven't landed him in a single draft yet, but I think the MVP type caliber season is still in there. We talked about that either last year or the year before. And I still believe it's there. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's still possible. Yeah, I do too. And you got to love what he did in the playoffs too. I mean, as rough as his season was, he was really good in the playoffs. So and I'll that's go, a I'll, good sign heading into this year. I'll go back into, like I said with Bregman, a lot of these Astros guys, They, I mean, the Astros are an advanced team. And yes, you can make all the jokes you want about the trash can gate from a few years ago but I do believe that they spend more time looking at analytics and video than other teams and the fact that they couldn't watch video in game I do think that affected all those guys and I like all a lot of them for rebounds including Correa um yeah very Tommy Edmond very possible Tommy Edmond's at 131 the next guy we've already discussed him we talked about him on the second base podcast. If if you missed out on the shortstops and Correa and Edmund were there, you're taking Correa then because you just said that's a drop off. Yeah, I would take Correa. Although I I know I said this before, I don't really consider Edmund. Um, I know he qualifies it short, but I just don't think of him mm-hmm. as a shortstop. Um, but yeah, I would take Correa. I like Edmund too. It just I would take Correa. Yeah. One more Edmund question. We've just saw Arenado go there. So Arenado's now at third base. Wong is a free agent. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to bring him back or not after taking on Arenado's money, Arenado's contract. But if they were to sign Wong, are you having any concern that if they were to sign Wong, Edmund may get squeezed out of a playing time? 
Possibly. Yeah, it's something to think about. I, I honestly haven't given it a lot of thought because um, I've got Edmund, I, I think, in two leagues. One's Dynasty and one I draft was the first redraft I did this year. Um, and the and the Arenado trade just happened. I think that's kind of why. Uh, so, no, I haven't given it a lot of thought, but it's a good point. I mean, the nice thing with Edmund is he is so versatile that I feel like he can is probably going to find playing time, even if it means moving all around the diamond. But, um, yeah, it's something to consider, definitely. And they could always bring the DH or... There's also Harrison Bader playing in center field right yeah, now. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that too. So you got Harrison Baylor Bader or Tyler O'Neill, one of them playing the outfield along with Dexter Fowler, who's in the last year of his deal, to where yeah, he could always just be a yeah. guy who moves around, but on days where there's not an infield spot, he's playing one of those two positions. Yeah, so, yeah. I feel like I feel like Edmund's gonna play, but there's probably a scenario where it gets cut back some if they you know if if a couple more things happen, but I just, I feel like he's, he's young. He's been pretty good. And I think he's going to play as Andy hits. He's got to keep hitting. Okay. Uh, Jonathan VR. We already discussed him. He's at one thirty nine. He's still unsigned at this point. Please go sign in Baltimore. That's all I got to say there. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Marcus Simeon's the 16th overall shortstop. He's at one forty seven. He had a down year in Oakland this last year, but now he's in Toronto. I guess he's going to be their second baseman. Are you interested in Simeon, especially now that it sounds like he might be a shortstop and second base eligible? Yeah, you know, a little bit. Um, I'd actually at one point, or I had considered him in one draft. I forget. I remember being on the clock. I don't even remember who I was between, but um, didn't take him. Um, I am a little interested. I think it's more interesting in uh, in Toronto now. I feel like, you know, I just want all the pieces of that team I can get with the offense. I just feel like their offense is going to be crazy. But, um, yeah, it was a tough year last year. I mean, a lot of his batted ball data was really bad. and uh, But it monster year the year before. So, tough to say. Uh, I feel like the ADP is pretty appropriate i think it's going to move up a little bit i was actually trying to check to see what it's been recently but i feel like it's been too recent to even really get good data on so uh but yeah i think it's i think it's about right i i feel like i would potentially draft him here if i was in that spot needed that position etc yeah and he could be and he could be like you said multi uh multi position i mean he should be short and second or i don't know if they would consider playing him at third but yeah some something like that i think they have him penciled in at second i think if vlad's not at third i think it's going to be biggio over there to where yeah i think simeon's going to be their second baseman and i think they i think i remember reading somewhere that that was part of they talked to him about that before they signed him saying hey you're i mean bo's at short so you're not going to be our shortstop so are you okay with being a second baseman and that's interesting because second base isn't near as deep to where, I mean, you look at his steamer projections and they're not too far off of what I, I Altuve's are. Maybe the ba- the batting average is a little off, but that's the main difference. And, I mean, just two years ago, or just, yeah, two years ago, he hit 285. Doesn't, so, I, 
I like him. I I like him more now that he's in Toronto. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next up is Jake Cronenworth at 158 overall, and we already discussed him on the second base podcast. And after that is Didi Gregorius. He just signed resigned with Philly over the weekend, right? Isn't that correct? Yeah, I think. So. Uh, did he? I. For some reason, I'm spacing on that. I I'm almost certain because I remember almost seeing like a meme. Uh, this weekend yeah. on the internet yeah, of da- like the Phillies saying, "Hey, we right. we we got to stop spending money. We're in bad financial shape." Dave Dombrowski says no, and they're like, "Okay," because <laughs> Dombrowski comes in and they're doing yeah. what? Dombrowski. Yeah, they did. They resigned him. <laughs> I I thought so, but then I was like, "Did I imagine that?" I was, yeah. I didn't forgot to update it on the notes, but I was yeah. And then we got Hey Hey Seong Kim. With the Padres at 176. Um, I want to start on Kim. His ADP since signing with the Rockies is at 159. He's slated to be a, their second baseman right now, which would give Padres. him more. Oh, yeah. Padres. What did yeah. I say? Rockies. Yes. Because that, that, that would be so we much don't better. Want yeah, we don't <laughs> want him there. We don't want him there. Oh, jeez. Then again, that's a messy situation in San Diego, too. But... um. He'll have multi-position eligibility if he ends up being their second baseman. And I thought I should lump him in here with Didi because of the ADP being up there at 159. He's closer to Didi and Cronenworth than the next list. So, first off, who do you prefer between Kim and Didi? And do you have interest in targeting targeting either if you either waited on shortstop or wanted to fill your middle infield slot up? I think think I would probably uh, I'd probably take Didi over Kim um, but no I, I don't think I'm probably getting much of either one I think I'm either attacking middle infield earlier or waiting even later so I, I don't think I'm getting these guys yeah Kim you know had a pretty nice imp- um, 138 game stretch in the KBO last year. He hit 30 home runs and stole 23 bags. But man, there there are a lot of risks with him coming over to this Padres, a team competing. If he was to sign with, let's say, the Baltimore Orioles, you can you at least can feel a little more confident about having some leash. But that is the one thing you just don't know about these guys when the, how it translates coming over. And if he's not hitting well, there's Cronenworth and Profar behind him. If there's no DH, both of those guys could leapfrog him. So that's the risk about taking a guy like that. But there's a lot of people that think he's a 2020 type performer too. So there's upside. If he does that, this is a great pick. Just a how yeah. much can you stomach in terms of your risk? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's tough, man, with Kim. Like I don't I I definitely get it. I mean when you do what he did over there, uh, there's going to be intrigue. Uh, it's, you know, power speed type that can hit some, but I just, I feel like it's tough to peg how that is going to translate over here. And, um, there's just some questions I, I have, and like, like kind of like you mentioned too, with, with the Padres, it's, it's one of those things. They've just got so many guys and, I think Kim is probably one of their regulars. Uh, 
if I had to guess, he's going to play majority at second base. If you know, if I had to bet on it right now, I would bet that he's starts the most games at second base of any player on that team. Yeah, I think it's his job but, to lose going into right, spring training. Right, his job to lose. But it's it's also one of those things. It's like if he comes out and struggles out of the gate, how long do they put up with that? Especially when you have capable guys behind him, like like you said, Cronenworth, Profar, et cetera. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like that he's getting some hype. Now, this ADP isn't crazy. I think he's moved up. Um, I think he's moved up a little bit over the last – well, no, he actually isn't really. It's, he's right around here. Yeah, like yes. 170. It's 159 I, since his signing. I went and looked that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you said that earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit. Uh, and it's just kind of one of those things that if he holds it all year and is productive, I mean, it, it could really pay off. I mean, he could, if he has that type of power speed output on that team, uh, definitely could work. It's just, I feel like there's some risk too that is hard to see when you have like this new face come over that you can envision producing across the board and going to the Padres. I don't, I don't really think, you know, I know when he went to the, when the Padres and announced they were going to sign him, everybody like loved it. And I, I was, I remember telling you this when it happened, but I just, I remember thinking like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how much I love it. I mean, I like it. I, obviously, the Padres are great. They're going to be one of the best teams in the league probably. But it's also like one of those things, you know, the most important thing in all of this is playing time, playing every day. And I think he probably does, but I also think that they may not put up with extended slumps yeah. because they don't have to. I mean, they – Let's be honest. They've got the depth now that they don't have to put up with extended slumps. And, you know, how will it translate? I don't know. I'll be honest. Like, your guess is good as mine on that. I'm not great at pegging those guys that come over and especially hitters. I just I feel like it's tough. So we'll see. It won't shock me if he's really, really good. It won't. But I could see it not being so good, too. So. I'm throwing one out here at you, but it's something you had mentioned to me before that I forgot to get into the notes. But let's. What about first year player drafts? He's a guy coming overseas here versus all these first year players. Is he a top five pick for you? Um, I think he's right on the line. Probably, probably a little lower for me. But it's also one of those things, if you're picking it two and you want him, take him. Like it's not – I don't think it's I, – I think it's egregious to take him at one, but I don't think it's egregious to take him at two. So anywhere from two to ten, I don't know. I mean like I probably have him lower than a lot of people. I've seen him rank two on some lists, but I've also seen him – a little lower. So Man, I could prob- not. Probably just outside the top five for me. I, I couldn't stomach taking that guy at two with Austin Martin there. But behind that, I could, I mean, if anybody wanted to take him at three on, I don't think he's in my top five either. 
but I can at least see it a little more. Man, it'd be hard for me to stomach taking him over Martin, but if he goes yeah, out there the and thing, goes 2020, it's worth the, it. The thing is, it's like, you know, and I remember when Kikuchi came over and it's yep. like everybody, and I'm not comparing him to Kikuchi, obviously, but everybody just always thinks like immediate production, immediate production. And it's like, yeah, if, if the immediate production is worth it, then great. But it's also one of those guys that his value could be tanked by June. And when you draft a prospect with the second or third or fourth or fifth pick in your first year player draft, their value won't tank by June. It's not going to it's it's not really going to go anywhere, especially if they're not playing minor league games. Their value is going to be what it was. It's kind of like a. uh, Just a. I think of it almost kind of like a stock, you know, that just has a set amount of value and it's not going up or down. It's just like a frozen stock or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But um, with Kim, it could certainly go up, but man, could it go down too? Yep. And it's, it's just, if you want to play that game, I get it. I mean, he could produce right out of the gate, but like I said, if, if the production isn't difference making production, then, what are you really drafting? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's for me, but um, it's not like I'm going to be floored when he goes high in a first year player draft. I, I honestly expect him to go high. So, you know, you said something similar also about the Marlins kid, the, the, and any, a lot of the older international guys, I hear you say this with um, shoot the guy that the Marlins, Victor, 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 Victor. Victor. Yeah. You had a similar take on him, and that's one also that went bad real fast. Well, you just wonder you just wonder how quickly like your pick could potentially be cooked, you know? And again, I'm not gonna sit here and act like he doesn't have upside. He does, but it's just one of those things that it's it's a bit volatile when it's a guy that's starting in the majors and, you know, could go backwards too, you know. So just kind of depends on how you value those picks. Okay, uh, anything on Didi, really? I mean, the only thing I want to add is steady player, and the the it's always interesting to look. I've As I was looking at the bottom um, performers in exit velocity, he's near the bottom, and he seems like he's near the bottom just about every year, but he's got an incredible uppercut, which makes up for it because he hits his bom- gets his bombs that way, and playing in, in Philadelphia and New York, as he has the last five years, has been real good for him, but... Anything else you want to add or move on? No, not much. I think it's uh, kind of one of those guys that is probably a little bit underappreciated by everyone, myself included. Uh, pretty solid. Not anything spectacular, but pretty solid. Never really strikes out. And he's going to have an everyday job, stuff like that. So I think he's probably fine where he's going. Not... Not probably a guy I'm going to target, but I think he's fine. The last shortstop in the top 200 is Andres Jimenez. We've already discussed him because he's also eligible at second, third shortstop. And But since we have recorded, Cleveland has signed Cesar Hernandez. And we were talking about how much his ADP has risen since that trade where he went to Cleveland. But now that Hernandez is there, he's not guaranteed playing time on opening day. Does this slam the brakes for you with her Jimenez? You know, I I don't know. 
A little bit, yeah, I think so. I I actually don't have him yet. I've kind of um, I know I've kind of talked him up with you at least a little bit, but um, it's tough because I I want to be in. Like I I feel like that the uh, there's enough speed there and. You know, with regular playing time, it could be pretty intriguing. But um, yeah, I feel like the the Hernandez them si- signing Caesar Hernandez is a little bit tough. They still got him penciled in at short on roster resource, but Rosario's there. Yep, that's what I was going to bring up next. It's Tyler, Tyler Freeman's in the in the pipeline too. So I don't know. I kind of wait and see. I'm probably pumping the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, the Rosario doesn't help because the talk was maybe Ahmad Rosario gets moved to the outfield, and that's just one less spot in the outfield to be taken. They're still outfield slots. I mean, Oscar, their outfield besides Rosario is Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson right now. But I think Cleveland probably will sign one more outfielder. I, I just Unless they're really planning on moving Rosario out there, I, I, I think that it's okay to slam the brakes on him there i was speak um you know giving him praises last week on the second base episode but yeah i'd slow down um players from 200 to 299 we have six of them that are short stops jorge polanco at 219 david fletcher at 220 chris taylor 221 willie castro at 238 wanda franco at 281 and Mauricio Dubon at 289. Uh, not many shortstops in here and between two and 300. And a few of these guys are multi-position eligible. We've already covered. But I want to start on Polanco because I do think he sticks out amongst this group, him and obviously Wander Franco. But do you have any thoughts you want to add on Polanco here? Not really. I mean, I like him for where he goes. I, I feel like uh, he's going to be a high batting average guy, kind of always has been. Um, 278 career hitter, over 2,000 plate appearances, and just chips in enough across the board that I just don't feel like he's going to kill you. Um, could hit near the top of the Twins lineup, or at least in the middle of it. So um, I think he's a bit underrated. And, you know, it's one of those where if I completely whiff on a bunch of shortstops and the rest of my team is really strong, I like having him. I got him in a couple of drafting holds and feel pretty good about it. He's not it's not like crazy exciting, but I just feel like he's a solid player that's underrated and he's going to play every day, you know, so that's good. Yeah, I'd take the over on those steamer projections he has. 270 average, 22 home runs plus steals. I'd take the they over recent, on both of those. They've, re- they've recently lowered lowered them. Really? I noticed because I've been – yeah, I've been uh, – there was a point where his steamer next to Dansby Swan – it was better than Dansby Swanson's. Hmm. That was actually that was actually a point that I was going to bring up, and maybe I still could. I mean, it's, it's less now, but it was uh, kind of one of those things if you're – looking at Dansby Swanson around pick 100 Polanco's around 220 and their projections really weren't far off they're they're a little farther off now I, they've been adjusted some but um yeah like I said I just think he's a bit undervalued is all let's get into the 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 one people want to hear about here though that would be Wander yeah. Franco at 280 David Flet David Fletcher <laughs> <laughs> good call 
that's <laughs> that's the one. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, Wander's going here with an ADP in the 18th to 20th round. Where in a draft and hold would you take a stab? In my second one that I drafted this offseason, I took him in the middle of round 19. So right there. And, the and I don't think I would do it again. Really? So. I think, yeah, it's one of those, um, it was later than he had gone. Like it was late for him at that time. And he's been trending down in a lot of drafts. I just think people are less on board with him being up quickly than they were a couple months ago. Uh, whether right or wrong, I just feel like that's that's the case because it's just been kind of trending down. So I don't know. I think it would it would definitely be later than that in the draft I'm in now. He went round twenty. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's a bad pick. It's just draft and hold. It's kind of tough because uh, there's probably an outside chance it's a zero. I think he's probably up this year, but I. I don't think it's like a hundred percent. I was just about to ask you pretty much exactly that. If he was on any other team in baseball, I would not even ask this question, even Pittsburgh, but in Tampa, is there a non-zero chance? He doesn't like if that. He never plays this year. And I think it, I think it's about 75% that he's up. I probably would take the over. I like, I think I'm even more confident in that. But it's a non-zero chance that they leave him down just yeah. because it's Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's nuts. But that's just the team they. Ha- I mean, they've got a team, uh, a really deep roster. They also have um, Bruhan, who they could bring up and just screw with Wander for another year. And the other the other thing too is, and this is just another layer to it that I don't think a lot of people think about, but I, and I could be totally wrong on this because I think he's the number one prospect, but I don't really know how I feel about him coming up and being like this awesome fantasy asset right away. Like, I don't really see it. And I think it's because I don't like, I know he's going to hit. I mean, he's hit everywhere he's been. I know he's going to hit. I don't really know how I feel about him hitting for power right away, home run power, which is what we care about in fantasy, let's be honest. And I don't really think he's going to have a ton of speed either. So even if he's called up, I don't know. Like, I just don't, um, I think that, because he's the number one prospect in people's minds, they're possibly overrating what he could do right out of the gate. All, all this said, I mean, if he comes out and it's just crushing because he's Wander Franco, I mean, I won't be that shocked, but I just question a little bit like the power and speed immediately. And I could see it being not the greatest, but I could be wrong too. You know, Unless he signs an extension, I don't think there's there's almost a zero percent chance that he's up before the Super Two. I just don't think the Rays will do it because that's the way they play the game. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, what would I expect? Because we're let's get into this. You put a 
poll up or a question up on Baseball 365 with the question that let's say that Wander signs an extension and is assured to be opening up on the opening day roster. And your question was, where would you draft him in a redraft league? And I want to ask you that question now, Andrew. Where would you? Man. Well, I think I wouldn't get him. I think he would go higher than I would take him. Like, typically, you know, if if that was announced, everybody goes bananas. And I don't think I would be in on it. Um, where do, I think where that, do you think the ADP would be? Let's go with that one first since you think, think that one's that, higher. Yeah, I think the ADP would probably be like around where Dansby Swanson is. Okay. Like pick 100-ish. I think that's where he would get drafted. Um, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but yeah, in there, like below Baez, Glaber and Baez, but, um, yeah, right in there. And I think I would probably be willing to take him like around where a little after Correa. So you would go Correa and then wander on your rank. Probably. Yeah. I have a different answer for both, actually. I think he would go sooner. I think he would go right there where Javi and Glaber are going. I think God. the I th- we've seen yeah, it before. Yeah, no, he might. He Acuna. Might. I, yeah, I won't argue. I like. I don't disagree necessarily. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. I I think that's where he would go. And I think I'd probably take him. Just I might take him in the Swanson spot. I just don't think he'll be there. Like I think if I thought about, if I thought long and hard, I would take um, Wander over Swanson. You would take him over Correa. I don't know. I think I'd take Correa over Swanson. Well, yeah, I would. I was just so I don't know about that one, but I think they're. I think I'd be pretty close on them both because I yeah. do think Wander is going to provide more power or speed. I'm sorry, and who knows on the power? Just question on Correa's rebound, but. You know, when I was thinking about what his stat line would be, that was my bonus question. What's his, what would his stat line look like? And my comp in my head was, well, what did Correa do that rookie year? I would go something like that. And I just pulled up his rookie year, and it's a little better than I remembered. He hit 22 home runs and 14 steals in only 99 games. But in my head, I was thinking probably something like 15 to 20 home runs and 10 to 15 steals would be what I would think he would do if he was called up opening day. So what kind of stat line would you think he would do? With a high average, by the way. Well, I, yeah, I think that I would be most confident in his average, actually, Mm -hmm. being pretty good, like anywhere from 270 to 290 or maybe even 300. I, I think he would hit for a good average and help you in batting average. I do think that, uh, what did, what did you say for power and speed, like 15 to 20 for the, power? This is without looking up, and I'm actually about to pull up his minor league stats right now. But I would say upper teens in home runs and lower teens in steals. Like 18 and 13 or something? Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, I would. I think I would under the the steals there. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to steal a lot. But um, yeah, the power sounds about. That's that's probably about right. Yeah, somewhere in there. I would say maybe like sixteen, seventeen, and maybe more like ten steals, something yeah, like that. Not far off there. And, and I think that he'd ultimate, be a fifth round pick. I really think he would be a fifth round pick. He might, he might, like, I wouldn't put a ceiling on where he could be going because it would be nuts. I mean, like everybody would just be losing their minds over it, you know? So I have no, it's really hard to gauge something like that until you start seeing it happen. Um, I think ultimately what's gonna determine his, his value, like long-term is the power because Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I'm confident he's going to hit. And I'm pretty confident he's not going to be a real big stolen base threat. I think he'll give you some, but um, I don't think he's going to be like a big time burner or anything. He's pretty thick already, and I just don't really, I don't really see a ton of stolen base output from him. But I mean, the power, you know, there's there's probably also a world where he's just a total monster hitting. 30 plus, you know, I mean, I, it wouldn't completely shock me with a hitter like that. You know, I don't, I don't feel like you can put an absolute ceiling on a hitter of his caliber. So I won't dismiss that, but I just feel like that that's kind of the, what's going to determine him long-term is the, is how many home run, you know, his home run potential or, output whatever you want to call it in a given year bonus question i didn't put in here if he if you had a late first round pick in a dynasty startup would you take him in the first round probably yeah or right around the turn somewhere in there i'd have to i'd have to have names next to names but yeah somewhere somewhere right around there would you take him or francisco lindor i want to do that one and then i'll move on the trade value is just absurd on him. What about him, um, Lindor and him? It's your first pick in the draft, late first round. Probably Lindor. Okay. But I don't think it's far off. No, I don't either. I don't either. And some people will think that's crazy one way or the other. All right, let's move on. Uh, Britton Allen asked us to talk about Willie Castro. Uh, Avila says he's going to be their everyday shortstop, and he's asking if we should be interested in him. You know, in like a in like a draft and hold, I think maybe just because he's I want to say he's dual eligible, uh, and he's going to play every day. I'm not positive on the dual eligibility. My apologies, but um, he's going to play every day. So if you get to this spot and you kind of need to fill that. Uh, potentially, yeah. In a regular draft, like a 15-team, seven-bench, I wouldn't be too interested, no. You know, his steamer projections are actually really close to what Jorge Polanco's are now. Now, I'm taking the over on Polanco's, and if I knew that Polanco was going to do anything close to his steamer projections, I wouldn't be that interested. Okay, let's move on here from 300 to 399. And I'll just list these off quickly. We got Isaiah Isaiah Kiner Falafa, who I think we talk about, or I, I read off every episode. And also joining the list because I read them off every episode is Joey Wendell. Then we got Willie Adamas at twenty nine, 
Ahmad Rosario at 30, uh, Nick Ahmed at 31, Miguel Rojas at 32, and Luis Urias at 33. He's also eligible at a bunch of positions. Uh, Willie Adamas, he's been the starter for two years in Tampa now. Wander's coming. Bruhan's coming. And there have been at least a few trade discussions, people checking in on him this last week. I think I've heard some reports, but... How much of a chance is there that he could end up not starting regularly for Tampa in the next year or two? I mean, I, I think there's a chance. I also think there's a chance that he's traded. Yes, that's, um, I heard that was going to be heard my something, answer. I heard something recently about possibly the Reds. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much, how many, if there's true legs to that or anything, but um, yeah, it's possible. I mean, with all the with every single guy in Tampa's organization, basically like middle infield, I guess I'll just stick to that for now. But uh, the only one that I'm confident will be a starter in a couple of years is wander. That's mm-hmm. it. Nobody else. So uh, the rest of them, I mean, possibly, but it's kind of like wait and see thing. He'll definitely be. And everybody else is just kind of, eh, like whichever one I guess emerges from the group, I feel like it's kind of a large group with, yeah, you know, mediocre-ish talent. I don't know. Like some of these guys are gonna be better than the others, but you know, Bruhan's got some hype. I mean, some a lot of speed, and Brandon Lau's been really good. You know, we'll see there how much how long he lasts. But I feel like there's some questions with some of their spots that they're going to have to figure out pretty quick uh, once Wander comes up. I also think there's an outside chance Wander moves to third base, but probably a topic for another day. And Adamas is entering his first year of arbitration in 2022. So I think there's a real good chance that he's moved in the next 12, 15 months, personally. Yeah. All right, Ahmad Rosario's in Cleveland. He could get moved to center field like we mentioned do you think this trade's a good thing for Rosario that he ended up in Cleveland now? Mike Rager commented about him asking if he could be moved to another position or the bench with the Cesar Hernandez signing. How confident yeah, do you feel about him playing? Not real confident, but I wasn't really confident in New York either. So uh change of scenery, probably a good thing. Anytime there's a young guy like that with some talent, um, I coming off of like a, a tough year, which he definitely had. I feel like change of scenery isn't can't be a bad thing. They'll probably find a spot for him. So, yeah, it's probably uh, probably good uh, the the trade for him. I think it's actually more risk of getting benched in Cleveland because he's not their big acquisition that they. Rosario was an international signing, right? Do you know that? Uh, yeah. So yeah, he was. he's not the one that they invested in in getting him as an international signing years ago. They're, he's the one they acquired in a trade. That's and true. With yeah. Jimenez, if if they acquire Jimenez and Jimenez is the one that's looking like a star, they're like, hey, we got both these guys and this one's the one that's shining. We don't need to worry about this other one. We got a we got a guy here. To where, I, yeah, I think Rosario's more at risk of losing playing time. I. I think they'll both get get some time, though. They're both going to get some leash here, I, I believe, and get a shot, and it's up to them to perform. Uh, anybody else on this list you want to discuss? 
No, not really. I mean, pretty boring names for the most part. I took Joey Wendell in the draft. I mean, now yep. um, I kind of like, you know, there's different points in the draft where I kind of want to nail one of the super eligible, multi-eligible guys, especially in like a draft and hold. And I was in this spot in the draft. I mean, now I took a couple young guys uh, and I just feel like I, kind of wanted to cover my basis, you know, type thing. I think he'll play uh, kind of all over the place for them. So after pick 300, it's hard to argue with the eligibility. But no, these guys are mostly, you know, like in a regular 15-team standard league, you can ignore basically everyone on this list, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to go from the guys listed after 400. Uh, I'm not going to read them off. But there are a few prospects that we discussed at other positions that are on this list. Uh, Nico Horner, Jazz Chisholm, Jeter Downs. But there are also some more interesting prospects that we have not discussed yet. And I've read, I got a few of them listed off here. Royce Lewis, Bobby Witt Jr., Owen Miller, O'Neill Cruz, Austin Martin. And in a few leagues, C.J. Abrams and Marco Luciano were even drafted. So of those rookies... Who would you want to take the stab on? We didn't talk Jeter Downs. Did we not talk Jeter Downs on the second base episode? No, oh, that's not, right. He's he shortstop not eligible. Yeah, he's not eligible. At second. All right. Well, I already I know just the wanted, answer to this now then. <laughs> well, I I wouldn't. I don't know if you'd lump him in there, but whatever. I just wanted to mention it because I know you said we talked about him. No, no. Um, that, he definitely belongs in this list then. So I'm adding. he's added to this list. So I already know the answer. Well, it's yeah, Jeter he'd, Downs. Be, he'd be the one. I mean, I, I like him. Like, you know, it's, I feel like there's, um, it, it's funny. Cause like the, the Red Sox signed Kike mm-hmm. and, um, I feel like I've heard a little bit of chatter about how he's the second baseman now. And that's going to make it tough for downs. And I just, I just don't buy it. Like Kike Hernandez to me, while I like him, he's a lefty masher, 120 career WRC plus against lefties and 82 career. I think 82. I actually, no, I think it's lower than that. I don't have it in front of me, but I was looking at it the other day. Um, but he just doesn't hit righties. I mean, he's a platoon bat if there ever was one. And Mm -hmm. I think that he's, He's a he's a versatile guy that it could probably help the Red Sox out. You know, is going to definitely play against lefties, but it's just not a guy that's going to block Jeter Downs when he's ready. He's ready. He's going to come up, and he's probably going to be. I mean, keep in mind this is the guy that was the main piece in the Mookie Betts trade. Like they're going to give this guy a shot at some point. You would think so. I do think that. Kike maybe slows it down a little bit, but I still really like him. So I uh, definitely would draft him of this group. I do like getting Royce Lewis and Bobby Witt or one of the two at the end, though. I do like getting them. I think that um, there's a lot of upside with either one of them. And I think that they're elite prospects, both of them, and that they could either one of them could be up at any point. So. I definitely like drafting those guys like around, you know, around 40 to 45, somewhere in there. Do you think it's like if I had to say pick one, Royce Lewis, in terms of 
called up this year or not called up, would you be leaning one way or the other? Um, I would probably say he's more likely to be called up, yeah. I agree. I think that he's – I mean, he was in double A in 2019. He just made it up there and was not doing great. But another full year in the – you know, another full year has passed. I And then getting in the minors this year, he'll be in the upper minors. I just think unless he's absolutely scuffling, and even then I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a shot. Yeah, I think this is his year to come up. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, any other veterans you want to talk about, or any of these other rookies? Anybody else on the shortstop position as we go down this list? Well, it starts getting uglier and uglier. Obviously, um, not too much. I mean, one guy I like to target a little bit late in like a draft and hold is. Brandon Crawford if you just need at bats Mm -hmm. like if you if you get really late I'm talking you know round 35 something like that um I like you know let's say you've got a shortstop and then you've got a shortstop prospect and you know some uncertainty there you you want to make sure you have at bats covered so I feel like he's good backfill to just make sure you have at bats because he's going to play every day yeah why is he that far down there He's free. I mean, yeah, he's – I mean, he's not good. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say he's good. I just – it's at bats, you know. And in this spot, I mean, like, it's literally pick 500-ish somewhere in there, yeah. 600. It's you know, in the it's, 500s. Yeah, it's – I'm only talking draft and hold stuff here. But, yeah, he's just one I seem like I tend – or I tend to turn to a lot because I've usually taken a shot on a on a prospect and I want to make sure I've got playing time. Um, just to, you know, just as a backup or whatever. And then, like I said, Lewis and Witt, I kind of like, um, Tyler Freeman, kind of the same thing. I feel like he's a better hitter than Jimenez or Rosario. And I feel like it's a matter of time before he gets a shot. Um, them getting those two guys maybe slows him down a little bit, but I think he's probably up this year too. Uh, but yeah, no, a lot of these guys, I mean, it's. Mostly junk. I'm curious to see what happens with um, – this doesn't directly tie into uh, the Arenado trade, I guess, because obviously Arenado plays a different position. But I just see Ryan Vallade at the bottom there. And I'm just curious to <laughs> – I drafted uh, – Col- I'm getting a little off topic here, but in my NFBC draft tonight – in round 43, I drafted Colton Welker. Mm, yeah. And I'm just trying to, like, I want that piece, whoever it is. And I don't know. You want Mark Colton Reynolds? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, going to no be kidding. their starting third baseman by May. But it's, um, <laughs> you know, whatever one of these young guys that gets the gets the shot, I – at the cost, I don't. I don't even really care if I miss, you know. And I feel like right now is maybe the time to speculate on that a bit before it's obvious as to who it is. So I speculated on Colton Welker because he's Double A and could be in Triple A or could be in the majors now that Arenado's gone. I don't know. So, uh, but that may not be right. It's just late enough that I didn't really care. But I'm just curious 
more than anything, I guess my point is I'm just kind of curious what develops from there because somebody's going to have, I think, a fair bit of value in fantasy uh, that is completely free right now, like literally zero cost. Um, there's going to be a starting third baseman in in Colorado. I'm just curious as to who it is. Man, Not to I, get off the topic, you, I know this you, is a shortstop. You're but. a glutton for punishment. You just said the line. I want to own whichever one of these young Rockies gets a shot. At this cost, yeah, at this cost, 100%. <laughs> yes, yeah. I get it. I, I get it. I just it's still literally have to make the like, joke. If you nail the pick now, I mean, even if they're just the, a starter for part of the year, it's worth that, you know, so. It would make but, sense. Yeah, it would make to sense for them is. to give some youth a shot. I think McMahon and, yeah. and Hampson both should start the year starting now with Murphy retiring and Arenado gone. I don't trust the Rockies to even still do that long. I think one of them goes into a slump and maybe maybe they sign somebody else this offseason. I don't know. I just won't put it past the Rockies because they've yeah. they've just duped us so many times before. But I hope you're right because it would be fun to see one of these young kids get a shot and actually see what they can do with some time. Okay. Time for the three, the two questions I always ask at the end of each of these positions. Fill in the blank, Andrew. The three shortstops I'm most likely to draft are blank. Well, it's tough because it depends on where you're at in the draft. Uh-huh. But I'm going to say Trey Turner, Bo Bichette. No, I take that back. I'm going to say Bo Bichette. I won't say Trey because it's it's hard to be sitting in the exact spot, but I would definitely draft him. Um, Bo Bichette, Carlos Correa, and Jorge Polanco. Man, this one's hard for me. I don't know why, but as I'm looking down this list right now, I'm really struggling to come up with three. Like, I do believe Tim Anderson's on that list for me and i think Correa's on there even though i'm 0 for 3 taking them in league yeah i haven't i haven't gotten him either <laughs> and who's the third one ah maybe andres jimenez who i may have mentioned last week on second base maybe marcus simeon now that he's in toronto i might be moving him up so i'm gonna i'm gonna say i'm gonna say simeon i don't know i don't know if that's really true I've, no, that's a good that's a good pick too. I've, I've there's a lot a, of good there's a lot of good picks at this position. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. All right, who are the three you're likely not to own? Most likely not to own, least likely to own. Um, Corey Seager, Dansby Swanson, and. I will say Hassan Kim. Okay. Although, although I could say Trevor Story too. That was actually going to be my one. Yeah, I was. I was just. I mean, if I have him at twelve, I'm probably not getting him. And again, I know he's a stud, but. Um, and you have yeah, him at twelve just, if it goes chalk on your list, which well, yeah, a lot of times list, somebody like, pops up. Yeah, yeah. If if I was picking twelve and my exact eleven went 
chalk, I would take him at 12. So, but man, I'm actually surprised his ADP is 11.49, like you have on here. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him. I don't think I've seen him go. Well, I guess I, I've seen him go 11, I guess. But I definitely haven't seen him go after that. I feel like he just goes earlier than that in every draft. Man, I, I think I feel I feel like I see him go right around there in almost every draft. But maybe I'm, I'd have to go look at my drafts. I feel like I've seen him go 10 to 12. But not much later, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So mine would be Story and uh, who else did I say? Corey Seager also. And my third, I think, is Javi Baez. I just don't think I want to be the one to take him. I mean, if he fell far enough, I probably would, but I just don't want him. So those are my three. And hopefully you guys got some good info from that. As Andrew, now we're done with the infield. We've, I guess unless wow. until we do catchers, we've now done first, second, third, and short. The I don't know if you call them the skill positions of the infield. I don't know. But that means it's time to start talking outfielders. We got a lot of outfielders to talk about, Andrew. I thought I thought we might go catcher next. We'll go outfield. Yeah, we'll go outfield. Well, I'm going to save catchers for the end. Maybe we'll tie them in. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't want to do catchers yet. Not really. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so yeah, I got maybe catchers after the outfielders. So outfield, we're going to have a what like an 18 hour block where we're recording. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> no, you're not going to do all the outfielders. Like a lot of times, as you guys, I think know. We record the whole, we've done the entire shortstop position to, in one episode. We've recorded and I cut it in half. And we've done that throughout each of the infields. We are not going to do that with outfield. Uh, we are going to record probably, we'll record for two hours, probably be two episodes worth. And then we'll do the next week, we'll do the rest of the outfielders. And maybe that's when I'll do catchers and we'll do the second half outfielders and catchers in one night. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yep. So be thinking to yourself, would I rather, who would I take first in a dynasty startup, Soto or Acuna? Because I want your answer whenever we're back here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be easy. I'll, I be fl- I'll be flipping coins for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough problem to have. I'd say that. Yeah, like definitely. Both. We'll have we'll have that. I we'll have that talk. We'll go on long time about those guys i'm sure yep so thank you guys for listening and take care everybody yep take care guys thanks again for listening to the baseball 365 podcast with justin hughes and andrew mcquiston be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode along with quick links to facebook and twitter if you have a question a comment or a suggestion We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 